Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. If you watch a trial from beginning to end, you're likely to see two primary kinds of witnesses, fact witnesses and expert witnesses. So a fact witness will come in and testify, here's what I saw. I saw the car accident happen. I was driving one of the cars. I got hit. Uh, I was standing by the side of the road, and I, I, I saw that one car run through the red light. I, fact witnesses testify to facts. There are expert witnesses who are allowed to give their opinions in court under certain circumstances. And fact witnesses cannot normally give opinions about things. Okay? So if somebody asks a fact witness to give their opinion about something, there'll be an objection most likely from the other side saying, this is a fact witness, Your Honor. They can't give an opinion. They're not qualified to do that. People who are qualified to give opinions are experts. So you bring in expert witnesses who then give opinions about things. So they might testify some basic underlying facts they looked at to create their opinions. And so, for instance, uh, let's suppose a crime happens. A crime happens, and they call in a bunch of people from the police department crime lab. And they sweep over the scene, and they do things like gather up samples of things they find at the scenes, maybe fingerprints, they take some photographs, uh, they find some shell casings, uh, they, they, they find some uh, blood, and they take it back to the lab, and they analyze it. They analyze it, okay? So when you bring in somebody... For instance, who's going to come in and testify about blood they found at the scene. There might be some factual basis put in there, and there quite often is. And you'll say, okay, you know, what's your job? What do you do? Were you called in on this case? What, what did you do when you got there? What did you see? What did the scene look like? Did you gather any samples of evidence while you were there? Oh, you did. And you walked the whole chain of custody and how it got back to the lab, and then you tested it. Are these tests you normally run as part of your practice? How long have you been doing these kind of tests? What kind of training do you have? How long you, you know, how long did your training take? And then after you studied all of this and analyzed these samples, did you draw any conclusions? Now, in your opinion, is this blood the blood of the defendant? Is this blood the blood of the victim? And you can ask questions like that. And so you say, okay, see, that makes complete sense. Well, the problem is that over the years, they've used some iffy experts. So the best example we can almost always think of is the bite mark guy. There was a guy who claimed he could identify bite marks. So if a perpetrator bit a victim and then got away. He said he could look at photographs of the bite and then look at a person's mouth and go, that's the person right there. And, and he claimed he could do that to the exclusion of all other people. And he put people in prison. And then later on, they realized that his uh, science was uh, hokum, I believe is the word we're looking for here. And there have been other experts like that, whose expertise later turned out to be just uh, wishful thinking. Uh, and some of them have been quite crazy, but I'm not going to get into that right now. However, here's an interesting one because we've heard of this and most people believe that this likewise was true. So Chris and Kevin both sent this to me from the Daily Record. Madeline O'Neill wrote it. Ballistics experts can't testify that recovered bullets match firearms. This is from the Maryland High Court. The field of firearms identification is not reliable enough to allow expert testimony linking Crime scene bullets to specific guns. Maryland's top court ruled this week. 
using a new stricter admissibility standard for scientific testimony, a split Maryland Supreme Court concluded that ballistics experts can only say whether the markings on the bullet are consistent or inconsistent with bullets fired from a particular gun. Now, that might be enough to help a case, but they're saying that they cannot say with certainty this came from that. They can say it was consistent or inconsistent. Now, inconsistent would mean, okay, that's certainly not it, right? But consistent means it could be it. We do not question that firearms identification is generally reliable and can be helpful to a jury in identifying whether patterns and markings on unknown bullets or cartridges are consistent or inconsistent with those on bullets or cartridges known to have been fired from a particular firearm. The Chief Justice wrote a 59-page opinion for the majority. However, based on the record here, and particularly the lack of evidence that study results are reflective of actual casework, the identification has not been shown to reach reliable results linking a particular unknown to a particular known. Uh, The 4-3 decision is expected to have far-reaching consequences in trial courts across that state. Firearms identification, which is based on the idea that individual firearms can leave a unique pattern of marks and grooves on the bullets they fire, is a relatively common form of forensic evidence. We've seen this in the movies and the TV shows. Rockford Files, Mannix, Columbo, (laughs) McMillan and Wife. Starsky and Hutch. We've all seen this. They recover, they recover the weapon. They take it into a laboratory and they mount it on a thing and they fire it into this thing and they, they pull a thing at the other end and they, they put it side by side in a microscope and they turn it all of a sudden, boom, it matches. We've got it. This is it. What's less clear, however, is what impact the ruling will have on existing convictions that relied on this type of evidence. Oh, I know what's going to happen. Every one of those cases that relied heavily on this is going to be brought back and say, hey, look, we deserve a new trial now because the courts gave this witness too much deference. However, the courts want to. They can say we will only consider those if the defense attorneys objected and said this evidence is unreliable. The decision could make a difference in cases where a defense lawyer objected to the evidence and an appeal is still possible says an appellate lawyer who is not involved in the case. Prior convictions that were based on this identification evidence won't automatically be reopened because of the ruling, but defendants could file a petition for a writ of actual innocence. The man at the center of the case will receive a new trial in a murder case. Uh, He had sought to exclude expert testimony from a firearms examiner with the Prince George's County Police Department at the trial in the 2012 slaying of another man. The expert testified that bullets from the crime scene came from his gun, and jurors found him guilty in 2018 of first-degree murder. The case showcases a new admissibility standard the Maryland Supreme Court adopted back in 2020. In that case, the high court abandons long-held general acceptance standard for admitting scientific testimony uh, in favor of a reliability standard announced by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1993, And that, of course, is the Daubert standard, the Daubert standard. And the Daubert standard is very, very well known in the community. I don't do a lot of uh, work with extremely deep expertise and opinions uh, because most of the stuff I handle involves cars and and, and auto mechanics. And so an auto mechanic who has examined a car can testify 
as to what he saw and renders opinions as to what's wrong with the car. Uh, I've never really had anybody put up a big fight on the Daubert standard on that. And primarily both sides use mechanical experts or, or you know, mechanics. So the version of the standard adopted in Maryland requires judges to apply 10 factors in assessing expert testimony, ranging from the potential error rate in a forensic field to whether the technique has been subjected to peer review. And we're not going to go much beyond that, but I can tell you that, for instance, we know that fingerprints are still considered to be one of those things that that's unique to me, okay? Uh, and that doesn't actually go back that far in our jurisprudence, uh, but it's been around for a little while, and most people know that if they find your fingerprint at the scene, you better have a pretty decent explanation as to what your fingers were doing there at one time or another. Uh, but the other areas in which scientific expertise has been expressed in court the bite mark guy is one of them and it's just it's just it's just sad people went to prison because he got up there and said yes i examined a photograph of uh, the victim who'd been bitten and now i see the guy right there and I, i i can recognize oh yeah that's 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 the guy who bit that woman and it turns out that no one else really claimed to have that ability and I remember another really crazy one where there was uh, a dog handler who claimed that her dog uh, was really good at finding cadavers. And the weirdest thing was that she would go places with this dog and she'd find like bones and stuff that later on turned out not to be tied to anything. And then one of the investigating officers said, I saw her pull something out of her boot and kind of stick it to the ground and her dog found it. <laughs> She was helping her dog find things by planting things for it to find. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff out there in this world. But the question simply is, is the expert going to come in and testify to something that has a scientific basis that's been tested and confirmed and is recognized in a field that's been peer-reviewed and so on? So DNA, DNA. So if, if they find something that's got DNA on it now, and they can actually get the full DNA workup off of a sample that they found, okay? Most people recognize that if everything is done properly there, and then we get the DNA from another person and it matches that DNA, most people say, yes, that is established to the point where you can tell the jury, to the exclusion of all others, this DNA found at the scene belongs to that person right there. Okay? That can be done. But the uh, Maryland Supreme Court is saying at this point in time, that level of confidence does not exist with matching bullets from firearms. And so it's a fascinating idea. They're not saying that the evidence can't get in, but they're saying that when the expert turns to the jury and says, in my opinion... He or she can say it's consistent with or it's inconsistent with, but they cannot say, yes, carve it in stone. This came from that man's gun. Can't say that. And that's a big difference. Juries love experts. Juries love, there's a few things that juries are known to love. If you can bring in a video of of what happened, juries will be transfixed watching it. They love the videos and the photographs and things like that. They love that stuff. It's audiovisual. Most of the trials, people talking, just yammering away. You show them a video, suddenly they're transfixed. 
Juries also like experts. When someone comes in there and they say, I've been studying this field for 35 years. I've conducted 10,000 investigations. Uh, I've handled you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces of evidence. And I've been doing this for so long that, yeah, I run the crime lab. Uh, everybody consults with me. I, I'm routinely flown around the world and testify all over the place. You may have seen me on TV. I've, I'm consulted as an expert on TV shows. And I can tell you right now that with my investigation and whatever my expertise is in whatever field, I can tell you right now, this widget right here, it's theirs. Juries are over there just nodding along going, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Meanwhile, the other side cross-examines this person, pokes some holes in it. Guy goes off and he feels like it's totally unscathed. Other side puts up an expert and goes, been doing this for 35 years, flown all over the world, thousands and thousands and thousands of cases. I run the state crime lab in one state over. I've, I've seen so many of these cases. It's, it's like I wake up in the morning, I see five of them. Next day, I see five more, 10 more. People consult me. I've written books. I've taught classes. I'm a professor. And I can tell you right now, this widget, nothing to do with a defendant. <laughs> and that is something that actually upsets jurors. Because jurors who love the video so much are then confronted with two sets of dueling experts. Which expert do you believe? And it sometimes comes down to that. And the weird part is that experts are not supposed to ever get up there and say, that person is guilty. But quite often, what they are saying leads to that conclusion. So when one expert gets up and goes, yeah, it was his gun that fired the bullet, his fingerprints were on the gun. And he had the residue on his hands. Next person gets up and goes, no, gun doesn't match, bullet doesn't match, and uh, whatever he had in his hands was inconclusive. No, 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 no. Jury members go back in the deliberation room. They go, what's going on here? And (laughs) I've spoken to jurors after trials, and they've actually talked about, well, we didn't like this guy, or we like this guy. They often won't say it that way. They won't say we didn't like that guy. I mean, I've heard that before, but more often than that, you just hear, well, we believed him more. We trusted him more. But the really funny thing, and and I'm going to tell you something, if you ever watch a trial that you will not be able to unsee, it's not as obvious when you watch them on television because trials that are broadcast on TV are often done with multiple cameras. But let's assume that I am a witness and you, viewer, are the person who's asking me questions. So I'm the witness, the judge is right here, and the jury is over here. Okay, you got that? Judge, jury. What often happens is this. Ask me a question. Yeah, so um, I've been teaching for 10 years. Uh, I've handled thousands of cases. And um, this is all I do. This is literally all I do from morning till night. I study these cases. I, I handle these cases. Uh, They bring them to me from other states. I've flown around the world. I've I've given symposiums. I've written papers. I've written a textbook. Uh, This is pretty much all I do. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. So so with this particular case, uh, I got the exhibits. Uh, I handled them exactly as I always do. Uh, I took the the exhibits very, very carefully out of the bags where I'm wearing gloves so it's not cross-contaminate anything. And then I take it and I put it through the the gonculator and we run back the the, the gonculator tests. And then we confirm that with, with a proto-gonculator. 
And then, of course, we use the turbo encabulator for the final set of tests, but we got three identical results. Three identical results never happen unless it is absolutely 100% certain that this sample did, in fact, come from the defendant. And <laughs> I'm just pointing out that witnesses often get into a dialogue with their attorney. That's extremely common. And you will sometimes tell your witness, if you're anticipating that, occasionally when you're talking, talk to the jury. Occasionally. I've seen witnesses, expert witnesses, who literally do this. Like this. Ask me a question. I'll give you the guys, you know, you guys the answer. And I've actually seen the, you know, the expert witness doing the scanning the whole jury, you know, every, every single time. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I can explain that. I'll explain that to the jury. You know, <laughs> this, and it's just, it's comical. But the real issue is that the area of experts. And the question is, what can they testify to with certainty? With certainty. Because, let's face it, the jury wants to be told what happened and what the truth is. And if you can make their job easier to hang their hat on your side, you do that. Both sides have experts. That happens also. So it's an interesting case out of Maryland. Ballistics experts can't testify that recovered bullets match firearms. Maryland High Court is so ruled. Madeline O'Neill wrote that. Chris and Kevin both sent it from the Daily Record. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. The will to succeed is important, but what's important is the will to prepare.